Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap in this house, would you? Like Mike has already said this morning, we're just trying to follow the cloud as the Lord leads. So I'm going to ask you to be seated. And I'm going to, I want to go ahead and preach. Um, I know we've got an offering to take. I know there's other things to do. But right now we need to handle what's at hand. And so if you give us just a minute here, we'll get repositioned. And you can open your Bible to the book of Psalms. Let me go get my Bible and I'll tell you what chapter. Let's open our Bible to the book of Psalms, and we're going to go to chapter 44. Psalms 44. I know I told you to sit down. Now I'm going to ask you to stand up, because that's how we do it. <laughs> Thank you for being here this morning. Beautiful congregation. Thank you for your visiting with us this morning. And this is a little unusual for you, then um, come back tonight and we'll try to do it different. <laughs> Psalms 44, I'm going to read the whole chapter. You're lucky it's not Psalms 119. It's it only have 26 verses. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou did in their days in the times of old. How thou didst drive the heathen at thy hand and plant them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm in the light of thy countenance, because thou hast the favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God, command deliverance for Jacob. Through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name we will tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Selah. Think about that. Everything he just said. Ain't that great? But thou hast cast us off and put us to shame and goes not forth with our armies. Thou make us to turn back from our enemies and they which hate us spoil us for themselves. You, O God, thou, hast given us like sheep appointed for meat and hast scattered us among the heathen. You sell your people for naught and does not increase their wealth by their price. Thou makest a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision, a laughing stock to them that round about us. Thou make us a byword among the heathen, a shaking of the head among the people. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face had covered me. For the voice of him that reproaches and blasphemeth by reason of the enemy and avenger, and all this has come upon us. Yet we've not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way. Though thou hast sore and broken us, did you catch that? Though you, God, hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us in the shadow of death. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yea, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, thou, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us off forever. Why hidest thou thy face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaved to the earth. Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Isn't that a wonderful chapter? All God's fault. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, for the next few minutes, Lord, may your Holy Spirit continue the work that you have begun. Lord God, may your word simply promote, O oh God. May the written word only support, O oh God, what the spoken word is given today, Father. And I pray, Almighty God, that you continue, O oh God, to drive and move in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the children of Israel 
went down to Egypt with, <clears throat> with, with uh, Jacob and his family. About 70 of them went down to Egypt because Joseph was down there. There was a famine in the land, <clears throat> and they, were, they went down there. Joseph was second in command, and he had spent seven years gathering up food. And so all the children of Israel went down there. There was, like I said, about 70 of them that went down. And they went down and Joseph fed them and clothed them and gave them jobs and took care of them. And, and they did great and everything was wonderful. And then the Bible says, but Joseph died. And when Joseph died, there arose a man who didn't respect the Jews. And after just short a short period of time, probably around 100 years, the Jews find themselves not only not in, in good graces anymore, not only, are, not only are they not the leaders anymore, no longer do they have someone in the, in, in the government that's their, that their support. Now they find themselves out there. They become slaves to the, to the children of Egypt. Now they're out there making brick. They're out there doing the things that a slave does. And whenever they begin to cry unto God, God sent Moses to come rescue them. And when Moses show up, they say, what are you doing here? Why are you making our lives difficult? Because when Moses started trying to deliver them, the first thing Pharaoh did is he took away the straw and he says, you're going to continue to make all the bricks you've made in the past, but this time you're going to have to find your own raw materials, but I don't want you to make any less than you have. And the children of Israel said, why did you come down here? You've simply made our life more miserable. Moses goes through the... Ten acts that God gives him to do. The last one is the slaying of the firstborn. And the Bible says that whenever the children of Israel, in the 105th Psalm, it says when the children of Israel left out of Egypt, they went out of there with gold in their pocket and not a one of them sick. And what I want to tell you today is sometimes the process God sends us through in order to gain our independence, in order to gain our forgiveness, in order to gain our spot with Him, sometimes the process that God takes us through exposes the wickedness and the things that are within us because He can't heal it if we won't let Him reveal it. He, won't, he can't help us get over it if we're too busy with our fists shaking up in the sky saying, why did you come down here, God? Now my situation's just got worse. It didn't get worse. He just removed some of his hand from it so that you could see exactly where you are. Amen. The children of Israel, when they were slaves, they weren't worshiping God. They weren't following after the ways of God. They were crying out to him because they were tired of being oppressed, but they weren't willing to change anything in order to do that. And when God showed them that you've simply become like an Egyptian in your mind where you're only serving me for what I, you can get from me, they suddenly had to come to a place of repentance. And when they did, God allowed the Holy Spirit to begin to move on that land. And the Bible said he separated he separated so that the plagues that went on in Egypt didn't go on in the houses of the children of Israel. Are you with me? We fast forward. The children of Israel have gone out of Egypt. They got gold in their pocket. There's not a, one of them sick out of about probably three million people. They're all well in their right minds, rich people. They go out in the wilderness. They create a tabernacle. They're out there for about two years. Then Moses says, it's time for us to go to the promised land. They send forth the ark to lead the way. The ark makes an 11-day trip in three days. The ark makes an 11-day trip in three days. Why didn't the children of Israel make an 11-day trip in three days? Because they were complaining about not having enough quail. They don't have any quail. And they complain about the journey and they complain about having to pick this stuff up and they complain about the quail. And the Bible says that because they complained, there was a great burning. There was a, there was a great gift, a gift of the Spirit by giving them quail. But the Bible says that while it was in their mouth, the fattest of them died. Complaining, 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 complaining about this, complaining about that. 
Not happy with where you're at. Not happy with what's going on. I don't have, I don't have enough stuff. I, don't, I need some more stuff. I need this. I need that. And God got tired of their complaining. He sent them to the promised land and they killed their message because they complained on the journey. And then when they got to Kadesh Barnea, they didn't have enough faith to go in. You, you see, when, when God gives us the best, when God gives us an opportunity to love him, to follow him, to serve him, and we only see God as a source of something for ourselves, in the, in the 21st century, most of the church only sees God as someone that blesses them. Most of, most of the church sees God as someone up there who's got my best interest at heart. Most of them see God as, as he's up there in the heavens and he's going to make me healthy. He's going to make me wealthy. He's going to make me wise. I'm not going to go through any troubles. I'm not going to go through any trials. I come to church. I sing great music. I enjoy the presence of the Lord and everything is good for me and I enjoy where I'm at because that's what God does is God's just there to make me happy. God's not there to make you happy. God is there because he loves you. And if he has to send you through a trial in order to get something off of you so that you can love him more and he can bless you more, then he will. Look at Job. Look at Job. Satan says, as you consider my servant Job, in chapter 1 we see Job as an upright man, a man that, that hates, habitually avoids evil, a man that prays every day, a man that blesses his children, a man that's prosperous, a man that's wealthy, a man that everything's going good for. We see Job in chapter 1, and everything is great with Job. He's a, he's a pillar in the community. He's a man everybody knows and loves. That's Job, and the devil says, God says, where have you been? And the devil says, I've been to and fro across the earth. And God says, has you considered my servant Job? And that was the beginning of a bad time for Job. Chapter 2, he lost it all. Lost his kids, lost his camels, lost his donkeys, lost his house. He lost everything. His wife came up to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Didn't leave her. Left her. Why don't you curse God and die? Job says, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In chapter 3, God says, if you consider my servant Job and the devil, the devil says, skin for skin and bone for bone. You let me touch his body, he'll curse you. God says, go ahead. Touches his body. He's sick, has boils. Sits out there in the ash heap and scrapes the top of his boils with a piece of pottery to let the pus ooze out of it. I guarantee you that was a stinking mess. Here's a man that the week before was living in a mansion. Now he's out in the ash heap, out there scraping boils, and, and three of the worst evangelists that have ever lived come out there, and for nine months they just tell him how stupid and dumb and how he's a sinner and he needs to repent, and he's, God's mad at him because he's no good and he's sorry, and nine months Job puts up with that. 39 chapters we listen to that. And in chapter 41 we finally figure out what God's doing. Because in chapter 41, we find out that God allowed Job to go through this to, to skin off some self-righteousness so that God could bless him double. But it took 39 chapters of trouble and trials and situations in order for us to get to chapter 41. And sometimes in your life, it's going to take trials and troubles and situations for you to understand that God wants to prosper you, but you're too self-righteous, you're too proud, you got too much. You got too much in your mind to, to for God to be able to bless you like you wants to. So He's got to, if you will, knock you down a step. You got me? Not that God's trying to destroy you. The Bible says that God doesn't tempt man. He's not trying to destroy you, but He's going to allow you to go through some things in order to knock off some rough edges, so that He can bless you and prosper you and do the things that God wants to do with you. And the worst thing you can do while you're in that situation is to begin to blame God for all your troubles. In chapter 44 
of the 44th Psalm, he begins to say, well, Lord, you rescued us when we went into the promised land. You gave us the necks of our enemies. We did all this stuff that was good, and we exalted you, but now where are we? Well, here we are, because thou, God, oh, here's what he says. He says this, in God we boast all the day long, and we praise thy name forever. Have you ever read the book of Judges? Have you ever read the book of Judges? At the end, I think it's chapter 2, maybe chapter 3, but at the end of that chapter it says this, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. They're not looking to God. They're not trying to figure out what's right in God's eyes. Every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. Are you still with me? Did I lose you? They have come into the promised land now. God has taken them out of the wilderness. They've marched into the promised land. They've defeated 10 kings. They've got about 40% of the land they're supposed to have. Joshua divides the rest of it up. He says, go and get the rest of your land. And they go out there and they start planting and they just get lazy. They just start enjoying the blessings of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. Meanwhile, their enemies are steadily plotting against them because they forgot all about God. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. They're living like they want to live. In the book of Hosea, which is, which is the book when God is, is chastising the nation of Israel, he says that there's more idols in your fields than there are rocks. Do you know what he's saying? Have you ever plowed a field that's full of rocks and the plow pulls them up and puts them in the furrow? Have you ever seen that? Okay, good. I was afraid my example wasn't going to be any good. Hosea says when you plow, you've got so many idols that your plow's pushing up your idols along with the rocks. They're not serving God. They're not trying to follow after God. But as long as they're prosperous and everything's oh good, oh good they, can, they can sing, I came out of that grave. I came out of that grave. I'm not living for the Lord. I'm not walking with the Lord. I'm not talking with the Lord. But for some reason, the Lord's still blessing me. So I came out of that grave. But you know what? There comes a time when God gives a wake-up call. You can't do what's right in your own eyes and serve God. You can't do what's right in your own eyes and serve God. Because your ways are not his ways and your thoughts are not his thoughts. And you can't live your life the way you want to and do the things you want to do and say the things you want to say. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the things that God expects to be in our life. Not hatred, malice, envy, jealousy, deceit, backbiting, Anger, well, you don't know what he did to me. You're right, I don't. But I know what God did for you. You can't live what's right in your own eyes. You have to live in accordance with what God gave them to do. He gave them a tabernacle. He gave them a set things in order to follow him. He put the law in place. He got everything going. And he said, if you'll simply do this, I'll bless you. But we find that they continually brought in idolatry. They continually married women that weren't of the, of the, of the Jewish faith. They continually rebelled against what God said. And God continued to bless them for a time. But there came a moment when God could no longer dwell among them because they were only doing what's right in their own eyes. And here's the danger of that. As soon as God began to allow hardships to come, they didn't say, God, forgive me. They didn't say, God, I'm wrong. They didn't say, God, I made my bed and now I'm lying and it helped me, oh God. They didn't say that. What did they say? You did this. You know, I, I used to feel so sorry. I used to feel so sad about those poor little kids that drowned in the flood with Noah. You ever thought about that? That daddy that's standing on his tiptoes because the water's at his chin and he's got his little boy on his shoulders and they're there and he's, every time he drops down a little bit, that water comes above his nose and that water's rising 
And that and they and there's that they could see that ark out there floating and they weren't on that ark and 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 I, I used to feel so sorry for him. I thought, oh, what a horrible thing to think that his boy's on his shoulders and they're fixing to drown and, and this is terrible. This is ter this is horrible. What a sad story. What a what a bad thing is happening to these people. And I used to feel so sorry for them. Until I learned that God preached to them for 95 years through Noah. They watched him build that ark for 95 years. They didn't listen to what he said. They didn't change their ways. They lived like heathen dogs. They sacrificed their children to idols. They lived for their own way. They continued their, they bought and sold and gave in marriage. They just lived their lives the way they wanted to. They had no concern why somebody was building an ark. They wouldn't listen to his message. They continued to get worse and worse and worse. And I began to understand by reading Revelation 16 that whenever God has dealt with somebody's heart for so long and they've refused and refused and refused and refused and refused, then they begin to think it's God's fault. I'm 100% sure that that little boy sitting on daddy's shoulder shook his fist at that ark and blasphemed God right before he died. Revelation 16, and the Lord allowed a hot sun to come upon him and it scorched it and they blasphemed God because of it. Read Revelation 16. What's my point? My point is this. God's desire is this morning is to save you, to change you. To, I mean, can you not hear what he's saying? That is God's desire. He's in this house today to forgive you, to heal you, to prosper you, to bring you forward, to change your mind, to change your heart, to change your spirit, to put everything in right back in right relationship. He's walking these aisles and, and asking you to come be a part of his fold. He's asking you to come and, and seek forgiveness. He's, he's saying forgiveness is here. I'm here to change your life. I'm here to change your heart. I'm here to change your situation. And I am guarantee you this morning, as God has dealt with your heart and dealt with your soul, if you're not careful, you'll start saying, but... But God, you let me get in this mess. But God, you did this and, and you did that and, and you allowed my great aunt to die and you didn't take care of my finances and I had to go get a loan and, and I'm not living in a house and I'm not living in a car and I'm not driving this and I'm not doing that and I don't have this and, and I don't have that and it's all your fault. It's all your fault. What did the psalmist say? For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You just brought us out here to kill us. You just put me in this situation to make me fail. I'm trying to do everything you told me to do, but you're not. Because you're doing it your own way with your own eyes. And now you're just letting my whole world fall apart, and this is your fault. Turn with me to Romans 8 for just a moment, and I'm going to bring this thing to an end. Maybe. Romans 8. Romans 8.36 says this. Let's go to 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Have you ever heard that verse? Oh, good. Thank you for saying yes. You are listening to me. Hallelujah. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then what does Paul say? Nope. Nay. Not me. <laughs> not me. I'm not accounted as a sheep for the slaughter. This morning I'm going to tell you that I, Scott Briggs, am not accounted as a sheep for no slaughter. I'm not accounted for one that the world just can do as it wants to to him. I'm not accounted for one who, who, whose life is just, is just willy-nilly making its way through and the devil can just attack me anytime he wants. He can destroy me if he wants to. I want to tell you, my word to that is nay. Why is my word to that nay? No, because in all these things, 
I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me, for I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. There's nothing that comes to me that doesn't come through the hands of my heavenly Father. Why? Because I'm not going the way that looks right to me, but I'm walking in the footsteps that he has given me for the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And if my steps are ordered of the Lord, then I'm not going to be no sheep ready for no slaughter. I'm not being led around by a collar of the devil. My God, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And there is nothing that comes against me that hasn't come through the hands of my heavenly father. And I want to tell you this morning that if something comes against me today that I don't understand, it's not God's fault that it happened. I'm not going to blame him and say, thou caused this to happen. Thou did this. Thou did that. You're the problem. You're the one doing this. Let me tell you, he's God. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't make a mistake. He's merciful, kind, loving, forgiving. As he said this morning, no one's gone too far. No one's past the, the mark where they can't come back to God. No one has gone so far following their own eyes that they can't be forgiven and restored and put back in the graces of God. No one is beyond the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to save, heal, set free, deliver, empower, to put you back in good graces again and to give you the power of the Holy Spirit burning in your soul, my God. My God, living for Jesus is the greatest thing I've ever done. Living for Jesus is the only thing that gives me a reason to live. I'm telling you, this stinking world I'm out here now, if I believed everything they said, I'd just go around mad all day long. I'd probably be one of those guys that wanted to shoot up a mall or something. I don't know. Don't put that on that. I've, if you're from the FBI, just, that's just an example. I'm not fixing to go shoot up no mall. Don't come take my guns. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I would be mad because I'm a patriotic American. I'm, I'm a man that believes in this country. I'm a man that believes that this country was founded under God in order to bring the gospel to the world, and we are the largest Christian exporting nation in the entire earth. We send out more missionaries. We send out more people. I believe that this nation has a high calling of God, and to see what the politicians and the people are doing to try to undermine that and undercut that makes me so angry sometimes that I, I, I would see red if I didn't know Jesus, but I know Jesus, and I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm not out there and with no power and no authority. I'm not out there being pushed around by every wild of the devil. I'm not out there being brushed off and, and told and, and, and just destroyed because I can't do anything about it. No, sir. When I go on my knees in prayer and I get the mind of God and I'm in a different world, I'm in a different place because I know that my Redeemer lives and I understand that though it may be dark right now, Jesus Christ is sending a great revival. The latter rain and the former rain are going to fall together in the same month. My God, send it. My God, send it. My God, send it. My God, send it. Hallelujah. I'm telling you this morning, in closing, I've already shut my Bible and pounded it on the table twice, so I'm going to tear it up if I don't settle down. But I just want to tell you today that your problems and your situations are not because God's against you. Your problems and your situations, if you're not living for the Lord, it's because you've caused them. Amen. The fault lies plainly on you. If you're doing what's right in your own eyes and you're not doing what's according to that book, then that, that's on you. And God has given you an opportunity today to set that right. Could I get your musicians to come back, please? Magicians. God's given you an opportunity today to set that right. Because doing what's right in your own eyes is only going to lead you to start believing that you're God. Doing what's right in your own eyes is going to start making you think that you're God. 
Wait now, I'm, I'm letting that kind of sink in a little bit. Because you'll start thinking that you can call the shots. You'll start thinking that you can control it. You'll start thinking that just because you say it, it's, it's, that's the way everybody else ought to be it too. Because all of a sudden, you've become God. See, there's no such thing as a godless nation. There's no such thing as a godless people. God made you so that every man has a measure of faith, and that measure of faith desires to worship something. And someone that calls himself an atheist doesn't mean that they don't, they don't believe in God. It just believes they think they're God. Because if they say it, then it's true because they said it. Did I go too fast? Okay. Stand with me this morning. Let me, let me quit. If you know you should come down this morning, here's how I'm going to end this. If you know you should come down this morning, if the Holy Spirit has dealt with your heart, and you know that you need to come down here and you need to get it right with God, you have only followed what's right in your own eyes. If, if, if you refuse that this morning, if you stay in your seat and say, well, I'm just not going to do that, then I'm going to tell you, your world is about to change. God spoke very definitely this morning. And when you walk out of here today without changing your heart and changing your mind, if you reject that, your world's going to change. And over the next few months, you're going to find yourself starting to say, God did this to me. God did this. And you're, you're, I think we're standing at a very serious moment here in time. Very serious for eternity. You may walk out of here today and everything be the same. But I think you're going to find in the upcoming months that you're going to say, I'm still going to church, but something's not right, and it's God's fault. God's rejected me. God's against me. God's not interested in me. God's allowed this to happen. God's allowed me to, my marriage to be in trouble. God's allowed my, my finances to fall apart. This is all God's fault. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care for me. And he's let all this happen. And I want to let you know, God, that is not the character of God. He is loving, kind for you, not against you, truthful, merciful, those are God. So this morning, as Mike and them lead us in worship, if you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord, or maybe you need to come down here and just say, God, I need help. I just need help. Because sometimes we just need help. There's, 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 there's times in my life whenever I say, God, I, I just need help. I can't do this. I have tried and tried and tried to live like you want me to live, and I can't do it. I, I need help. Maybe that's you this morning. As these that are coming, I want to invite you to come as well. Anyone else this morning? I need help. I need God to forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. doing what's right in your own eyes. And somehow thinking God's going to bless it is a tremendous deception. Doing what's right in your own eyes and thinking somehow God's going to bless it is a tremendous deception. down just, just spread out across the front here if you would there you go thank y'all for coming amen praise God if you want to come down here and there's someone you want to pray with you're welcome to come down and pray with them men with men women with women if you will you know the routine if you want to come down here and pray with someone but if you're down here this morning 
I want you to listen to me for just a moment. Repentance, repentance is a two-part thing. Believe that God, God is changing your heart. That's the second part. Believing that God is changing your heart. You've come down here for a heart change, for God to deal with something. That's the second part, believing in your heart. The first part is this, confessing with your mouth. If you're down here this morning, you don't have to scream. Matter of fact, please don't scream. But you need to talk loud enough that your ears can hear what your mouth is saying. And if you want God to forgive you of something, or if you want to just get, ask God to help you get yourself back in right order, you know, sometimes I just get out of order. I just get confused, and I get out of order, and I say, God, I need you to get me back in right order. My mind's messed up. If you need to do that, then you need to say that. I'm not trying to let everybody else hear your business. I'm not doing that. But it's important that your ears hear what your mouth says. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And when you say, God, help me, Lord God. Help me get myself straight. Forgive me. Touch me. Heal me. Deliver me. Then it starts a thing going on in your spirit. I can't explain to you how it happens. I don't know. I just know it works. I can't explain the space shuttle either. But I know it works. So this morning, as we continue to worship, if you would, you're down here. Just begin to tell the Lord what's on your heart. I'm going to pass among you. Any other ministers that'd like to come down here, please come down here. Here's another bottle of oil. You're welcome to get that. And uh, if you want to anoint some people with oil and do that, we're just going to pray. If you're in the audience, sing with Mike. Lift your hands this way. And let's continue to allow them. You know what? There's at least two. <laughs> There's at least two more people in here. Well, as a matter of fact, I know. There's two. There's two people in here. But you're not down here. I don't know who you are. I'm not sure of that. But I am sure there's two. There's two people here this morning. You haven't made the walk. I don't know why you haven't, but you haven't. Yeah. Mike's singing. I would advise you, the Lord's dealing with your heart. I'd advise you to get in the aisle and make the walk. And come on down and let's get it right with the Lord. There's two of you that have not. I don't know who you are. I know you're here. So as we continue to sing, I want to encourage you. Make that walk. Come on down.
your hands with me this morning and let's just begin to thank God hallelujah thank you Lord God for the things that you've done in our midst today God thank you for your blessings God we praise you Lord God and thank you now Almighty God because you are my King of Kings my Prince of Peace my Lord of Lords hallelujah Father God we just give you praise right now Father would y'all sing this with Michael this morning sing it from your heart Open your mouth, let your ears hear your mouth say something good about Jesus, and let's lift this up this morning. Hallelujah. Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider. Jehovah Nisi, Lord, you reign in victory. Jehovah Shalom, you're my prince of peace. Jehovah Jireh, amen. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're standing this morning, would you join hands with somebody close by you there for just a moment? And I want us to praise God as a family. You get to pick your friends, but you're stuck with your family. And we're family. God's put us together as family this morning. And I want us just to worship the Lord together as family. Would you pray for that one that, you've, that you're holding hands with? And let's just pray for one another right now. Heavenly Father, Lord God, you hear the prayers of this family, O oh God. Lord God, you've put us together, Lord God. You've put us together, Father. And Lord God, I thank you today, O oh God, that we've renewed some vows with you, O oh God. Lord, that we've made some things right with you, O oh God. Lord, that we've listened to you all this morning, O oh God, that we've changed our mind on some things, O oh God. Lord, that we've healed some hurts, O oh God, that we've, we've broken some chains, O oh God. Father, I thank you today, O oh God, that you've put love back in our hearts, O oh God. Father, that you've caused us to love one another, Lord God that you've blessed us and anointed us, O oh God, and brought us forward, God. And now I pray in Jesus' name, O oh God, that you would bless this congregation. I pray that you would bless them going out, and I pray that you'd bless them coming in, O oh God. I pray, Almighty God, that we wouldn't be sheep accounted for the slaughter, but in all these things we would be more than conquerors through him that loved us, O oh God, because we know, O oh God, that if you are for us, God, Nobody can be against us, oh God. We know, almighty God, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We know, almighty God, that you love us, oh God, that you care for us, oh God, that you made a way where there wasn't a way, oh God, that you set a path straight, oh God, that was crooked. My God, that you took all the high places and brought them down, God. You took all the low places and you lifted them up, oh God. And thank you, oh God, for the love of Jesus Christ that covers a multitude of iniquities, that covers a multitude of faults that covers a multitude of sins. Thank you, God, for the love, oh God. Thank you for love. Thank you for love, God. Thank you for love. Thank you for love. Thank you that you're not against me. You are for me. Thank you, God, that you love me, God. It wasn't nails that held you on the tree, Lord Jesus. It was love for man, almighty God. You could have called 12 legions of angels, but you chose to die. You chose to die that I might live. <laughs> you gave your life that I might live. Oh, you brought me back into the family of God. You redeemed me, oh Lord Jesus. And today, oh God, you've redeemed us once again. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you praise. Can you say amen? Can you say praise the Lord? Can you say hallelujah? Come on, say it like you mean it. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Can we sing this joy that I have? Do, do you know that one? Think. Is it in that magic box you got there? All right. I want us to sing this one time. Then if you would be seated, we're going to take an offering and then we're going to be dismissed. So, And it's not even 12. It's barely after 12.15, so... You got the discount plan today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Be back tonight. I gave you plenty of time for an afternoon. Let's sing this today before we go. Well, this joy I have, well, it needs me. Well, this joy
be seated for just a moment. If I could get a few ushers to come up here this morning, we're going to receive the tithe and offering. We're going to worship the Lord in our giving. Praise God. I'm excited to tell you that this month, the church received the largest electric bill we have ever received. I've been here since 2007. I've been tracking it since 2007. And this month, all 11 air conditioners were running at the same time a lot. <laughs> and I tell you that to tell you this. I'm not up here this morning saying if you don't give, we're going to shut the lights off. Because the Lord has supplied all of our needs. We're not broke. We're not barely making it. We're, 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 not, we're not this morning going to have to take a second offering to make sure we can open the church up tonight. Because the Lord has blessed you abundantly. I'm, I'm going to tell you this just because I think it's important for you to know. We keep a monthly spreadsheet of the finances that have come into the church. Uh, last year, if you were at the business meeting last year, you'll know that, that what came through this church last year was an interesting number. It was $694,000, $694. Sarah didn't fix that number. That, it actually came out that. $694,000, $694. I was looking at the amount that's come through this church this far as of June. You know how much money's come through this church so far as of the end of June? $533,000. We could possibly be a million-dollar church by the end of this year. And that's not, give the Lord a hand, and I want to tell you something. That's not exciting to me because we got $1,000. That's exciting to me because that tells me that out here, God has blessed you with at least $10 million. I know some of you are saying I didn't get my part. <laughs> but don't blame God for it. I'm just excited because that means God is blessing you. And because God's blessing you, he said, prove me herewith, saith the Lord, and see if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour it upon you a blessing that you cannot contain. Just four years ago, or five years ago, our maximum given was right at $400,000. And I'm telling you all this not because I want you to be impressed with the numbers. I want, I want, I'm trying to show you God's promise. He said to prove him. You gave $116,000 last year to missions alone. You did. $116,000 to missions alone. I've never been with nor associated with a church that gave more than $100,000, and you did last year. And because of your faith, give the Lord a hand. Give yourself a hand. Because of your faithfulness in giving, you've invoked the very promise of God to pour it upon you a blessing that in this congregation in Fred, Texas, it's possible this year that God could bless you across here with $10 million. How many of you can contain that? You can contain it. You say, okay, that's enough for me. I've, I've got enough, Lord. I've got enough. I, I don't want anything else. I've, I told 
the Lord told John Royce one time he was going to give him more work than he could stand. And one time he came to me and said, I'm almost there. <laughs> I said, can you take more? He said, My, maybe a few more. I can, I'm not quite there, but I'm almost there. But one day he's going to be there. One day he's going to be there. And you're going to be there. Why? Because you're given as unto the Lord of a cheerful heart. And God blesses happy givers. And that's what you're seeing. I know you've already had a sermon. So let me quit. Brother Foster, would you bless this offering, please, sir? You knew I was going to call on you, didn't you? Praise. 
Stand with me this morning if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord God. Thank you for your many blessings, Lord. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Now, God, we pray that you'd rest our bodies this afternoon, Lord God, and bring us back tonight at the appointed hour. Let your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Everybody said amen. Have a good afternoon. See you tonight.